0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapters eight through 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: I'm gonna bring you up to date what we've been studying in the book of Exodus so far. And if you can't write fast enough, you can pick up a CD copy of all of our sermons here at Calvary Chapel. Chapter 1, here's where we've been. I'll tell you where we're going. Chapter 1, Exodus, Israel is oppressed. And then in chapter 2, Moses is born. And then in chapter 3, we've covered all of these. Moses is called by God. And then in chapter 4, Moses returns to Egypt. Which brings us to chapter 5. We have Moses' first encounter with Pharaoh. Moses' first encounter with Pharaoh. And then in chapter 6, saints, we have Moses' second encounter with Pharaoh. And it was at that point that God then sent a series of judgments or plagues on Egypt. The last time we were together, we were in chapter 7, and we have the first plague on Egypt. If you were with us, you know, the water was turned to blood. And then in chapter 8, verses 1 through 15, we have the second plague on Egypt, frogs. Frogs were everywhere. And then also the third plague on Egypt, chapter 8, verse 16 through 19, we have lice, lice. And then finally, last time, we talked about the fourth plague on Egypt, chapter 8, verse 20 through 32, we have swarms, or as we pointed out, different sorts, various kinds of flies. There's where we've been. Now, remember I told you, give me your attention closely here. Remember I told you the story of Exodus is not so much a struggle between Moses and Pharaoh. Remember we talked about that? And the story of Exodus is not so much a struggle between the Egyptians and the Hebrews, but the story of Exodus and particularly the plagues on Egypt have more to do with, or God's judgment on Egypt have more to do with, the victory that God is getting over the Egyptians. It has more to do with the victory over the false gods of Egypt. Now, we looked at this verse the last time. I'll point it out to you again. In Numbers chapter 33, verse 4, it says, God not only judged Egypt and brought the children of Israel out, he also judged all their gods. So, Listen close, because you got to get this if you're going to understand the judgment and why God is judging. Each of the judgments on Egypt, God is defying and judging the God, small g, of Egypt and proving that they are not real. This is the point. God is judging these gods, and God is proving to the Egyptians that these gods are false, that these gods are not real. So the first plague on Egypt was the water turned to blood, the Nile River. We talked about that. And God, big G, is judging the small g God. His name is Hapi, H-A-P-I. Hoppy. You might say happy, but it's happy. God is judging. The second plague on Egypt, the frogs, this is a judgment against the frog god, Hecht, H-E-C-K-T, H-E-C-K-T, Hecht. Remember, we talked about that. Hecht was a female god that had a head like a frog and a body of a woman who was said to have married the creator of the world. So the creator of the world goes out looking for a wife, apparently, and he marries a woman with the head of a frog and the body of a woman. Apparently, there must have been slim pickings when he went out looking. (laughs) Well, you know... (laughs) Frogs were everywhere. Remember, in the beds, in the refrigerator, in the microwave, in the washing machine, in the dryers, in the cabinets. On the Egyptians, the Bible says, in their beds, all these frogs, and they can't kill them because frogs are sacred. God was judging the god Hecht. In the third plague, lice. Don't you remember, this third plague comes without warning to Pharaoh against the god Gab. G-A-B, Gab, who was the god of the earth. Moses touched the earth and it became lights. The fourth plague flies. Judgment against the god Amun-Ra. Remember that? Amun-Ra. So we have those gods that God is judging against those gods, against the gods of the Egyptians. Now, before we jump in, I want to tell you something. You might find this, I don't know, for you kind of factoid people that you enjoy facts, listen to this. God sent 10 plagues or blows or strokes, some people call them, judgments on Egypt. The interesting thing about these plagues is that they come, listen, in three sets of three. It makes you think of, if you fast forward to the book of Revelation, it makes you think of the seal, the trumpet, and the bowl judgment in the book of Revelation. The third and the sixth and the ninth plague all come without warning. The first and the second have warning. In other words, in the first and the second, God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and if you don't, the water's going to turn to blood, the dust will become lice. It came with warning. The third plague, God said, Moses, tell Aaron to stretch out his rod and strike the dust, and it will become lice. And that was without warning, no warning. And this pattern happens throughout all the nine plagues. And then we have the 10th plague, which is the Passover night, when the angel of death passes over the houses where they see blood. Now, the interesting thing also is that the fourth and the fifth judgment, Moses and the rod are not involved at all. Moses and the rod are not involved at all. In other words, God just brings it, period. Interesting. Tonight, we come to, we're going to talk about the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, and if we have time, I doubt it, but if we have time, the eighth plague. The fifth plague, we'll talk about livestock and animal are diseased. The sixth plague on Egypt, we have boils. The seventh plague, we have hail. And if we get to it tonight, the eighth plague, we have locusts. And we'll talk about those, get as many as we can. I don't know, maybe we'll get two of them. We'll see what happens. Exodus chapter 9, look at it, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say amen. amen. And the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse, in verse 2, to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, and on the oxen, and on the sheep, a very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. Interesting. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. And then in verse 5, underline it, the Lord appointed a set time saying tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And so the Lord did this thing on the next day and all the livestock of Egypt died, but the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. And then Pharaoh sent and indeed not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard and he did not let the people go. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice this, saints. Each time that Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, thus says the Lord. We can't miss this. Each time it says Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, thus says the Lord. The word Lord there in the Hebrew language is Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh. Moses, you want to notice, would emphasize God's name so that Pharaoh will know that this whole thing isn't a political protest against the slavery of the Jewish people. Moses wasn't a political revolutionary. He was a prophet from God. And that's why every time he would say, thus says the Lord, let my people go. Moses says, Yahweh is saying, let my people go. And notice, my people, Pharaoh, not your people. My people, so that they can come and serve me. Plague number five, livestock disease. Notice in this judgment, this judgment is against the god Apis. Apis, A-P-I-S. That's the male god. Hathor is the female cow god, if you will. Apis is thought to be, or Hathor is thought to be actually the mother goddess in the form of a cow. And of course, they worship the cow, just like they do in India today. I've been to India, I've been a couple of, two times I think it is, two or three times, And it's very interesting, people are starving in certain areas and yet, I think I've told you this, a cow, a big healthy cow goes walking right by and they will not eat it because they believe that maybe an ancestor or a family member died and was reincarnated and they came back in the form of that cow. That's crazy. Crazy. You guys know, when I see a cow, I think of T bone. I think of a burger. I'm not thinking that's Uncle Harry. <laughs> Say amen, saints. You know, you, you know, that ain't Uncle Harry. But they worship the cow, and so they wouldn't eat the cow. Even in the Egyptian days, I found it interesting that they mummified cows. Isn't that interesting? They wrapped them and mummified them and kept them because they were so sacred. As a matter of fact, cows were considered so sacred that a story is told in ancient Egyptian records that a herd of cows were put in front of an enemy troop and the Egyptian soldiers soldiers would not shoot the opposing army for fear of accidentally killing the sacred cow. Cows were revered. They were sacred. And so Moses said, Pharaoh, if you refuse to let the people go, God is going to strike the cows, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the ox, and the sheep with disease. Now, you've got to understand something here. When all of your cattle, all of your sheep die, in that culture, it would be like the stock market crashing in our culture. It would be the same. There were no Wall Street investments in those days. They didn't have coinage. What they had was agriculture. What they had was grain. What they had was herbs. That was the economy of that day. So when your cows died or your your land, your grain was affected, that would be like the stock market crashing. Now, Egypt, at this point, is almost in ruin. The Nile is bloodied. The fish industry is ruined. There's frogs and flies, and there are dead and dying animals. Notice the Bible told us, except in Goshen. So Pharaoh sends his men to see if the Israelites' cows are dying, and they come back, and they said, not a single one of them. And did you notice, Pharaoh hardened his heart and did not let the people go. Isn't that interesting? Now look at verse 5 again. I had you underline it. Then the Lord appointed. Did you see that? A what, saints? A set time. Saying tomorrow, the set time, the Lord will do this thing in the land of Israel. Before we move on to our next text, give me your, give me your attention. Before we move on to our next text or our next plague, if you will, verse 5 says the Lord appointed a set time. The Lord will do this thing at a set time. If you fast forward to verse 14 of this chapter, it says, for at this time, I will send my plagues to your very heart. Saints, listen. Listen close. Men, God deals with men, women, children, churches, nations, kingdoms. God deals with... On a set time. A set time. God has a specific time for the judgment to fall on Egypt. And again, if you fast forward to the book of Revelation, it's very easy to do a study on these plagues and then compare them to the book of Revelation. You understand that? Very easy. If you fast forward to the book of Revelation, you can also see that God has a specific time for judgment to fall on the world. God has a specific time. Now, we got to understand something here. It doesn't bring God pleasure to bring judgment. God is not the big celestial meanie, can't wait to bring judgment on the world. That's not God. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 145, verse 8, it says, the Lord is gracious. Matter of fact, read it with me. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. God is slow. I like saying that word like that. Slow to anger. God is great in mercy. You see, here's the principle of God's judgment. God is in no hurry to judge the world, but God will judge the world. There will come a time when judgment must come. There's a gentleman by the name of Eugene Peterson. He's a theologian, and he writes this, after centuries of patient waiting, of putting up with man's arrogance, greed, and murder, God finally puts a halt to the whole horrid business of sin. Surely after all these centuries, it's time to call the perpetrators on the carpet and wipe the condescending smiles off their faces with a once-for-all judgment. That's true. A time. God has a time. God has timing for everything. And God is never, saints, listen to me close, God is never in a hurry. We are always in a hurry. You know what happened the other day? <laughs> Funny thing happened to me the other day. I'm standing at the microwave, and I'm warming up a I don't know, chicken and noodles or something. Y'all know I got upset with that microwave because it wasn't heating up fast enough. I about took a hammer to that thing. I'd open it up. It's like, you know, like 30 seconds. I'm thinking it's supposed to be boiling hot. I open it up, and it's still cold. I shut it. I'm like, "Uh, hurry up. Wait a minute. What did we ever do before we had microwaves? What did we ever do before we had crackberries? I mean, blackberries. What? I mean. (laughs) That's what they call that thing, you know. I actually got one, and somebody told me. I called my, Yeah, I got a blackberry. They said, oh, you got a crackberry. I said, what do you mean? They said, man, give it a day or two, you're going to be addicted to that thing. I sleep with my Blackberry. It's the truth. I'm like, snuggle up. We're always in a hurry. God is never, ever underscore, bold, capitalize each letter, never in a hurry. Don't you remember Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert? Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. God says, My spirit shall not always strive with men. What's that? Timing. Matthew 24, 36. Jesus said that no man knows the day or the hour. Timing. Jesus told us to do business until he comes. Luke 19, 13. Timing. Genesis, pardon me, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, do not grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up, for in due season, timing, you will reap if you what, saints? faint not. You know it. And we've been praying for wisdom. We've been praying for direction for our church and where to build, and God, where do you want us, and Lord, lead us, and the contracts and the people that we have to talk to and all of these things sometimes seem like a slow-moving process, but we have to remember as a church, timing. Amen, Amen, saints? Everything in God's time, I have to remind myself, I've got to remind myself that whatever I'm going through, whatever you're going through, God has a set time. Somebody once said, if he brought you to it, he'll take you through it. What, five people agree with that? I'll say it again in case you were asleep. If he brought you to it, he will take you through it. Amen. Timing. Got to wait on God. They that wait on the Lord show what? Renew their strength, they mount up with wings as the eagles, they run and not be weary, they walk and not faint. I I think that's a word probably for most of us at least. God has a time for everything, a set time. Notice in verse 6, God said he would do it the next day. And the next day, all the cattle were dropping dead except in Israel. And Israel said, wow. And Egypt said, whoa. Interesting. Plague number two, boils. Or pardon me, number six, two tonight, but number six, boils which fall without warning. Look at chapter 9, beginning in verse 8. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt. and It will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And then they took ashes from the furnace and they stood before Pharaoh. And Moses scattered them toward the heavens, and they caused boils that break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because they had boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord, in verse 12, hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Stop right there. This plague was against the God I hopted. I M H O T E P. Remember, God is judging the gods of Egypt. And this God was the God of, you probably guessed it, medicine. This God was supposed to be the God of healing. Now, you want to notice that God told Moses to take handfuls of ashes from the furnace and throw it into the air. And God said to do it. In the sight of Pharaoh, let Pharaoh see it. And when the ashes come down and land on man and beast, boils will break out in sores on their bodies. The word boil is very interesting here in the Hebrew language. It's the same word leprosy in Leviticus chapter 13. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, it calls it botch, B-O-T-C-H, botch, which I don't know what that is, but I do know I don't want to get it. (laughs) Amen. So these boils, they break out, and they're oozing sores, eruptions on their bodies. Now listen at this. In Egypt, it was a custom for the priest to sprinkle ashes of a sacrifice over the worshipers as a symbol of blessing. That was a custom. Isn't it very interesting that God says, I'll sprinkle the ashes over the people, but it won't be a blessing. It's going to be a curse. And it's going to cause. You know, God is always taking that which we revere and brings it to nothing. And matter of fact, he may turn it and use it against those who don't know him, don't love him, just to show them that that thing was never any help to you in the beginning.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923.